Hello everybody, this is a Bridges of Meaning Discord conversation. I'm Job and today my go uh, guest is Lance Cleaver. Hey Lance, what brings you to the Discord? You know, I was, I was uh, popping around on YouTube and I'm one of those weird guys that consumes a lot of sermons and <laughs> Paul Vanderclay came up and I watched it and I just, I just absolutely loved him. And uh, he reminded me a lot, as I'll tell a little bit of my story here in a bit, he reminded me a lot of my seminary teacher, kind of their similar aged, you know, really, really well read, but still kind of connected into culture, funny, uh, really good guys. And so uh, I just started watching his sermons during COVID. And then that led me to Pajot. Uh, and then I had certainly heard of Jordan Peterson, but I hadn't watched any of his lectures and then I started doing that. And then I watched Paul's commentary on that. So finally, I got into the point to where he had mentioned a Discord server on a Q&A. And I jumped in just a few weeks before you decided to exodus on us, Job. <laughs> but, uh, but really, boy, what a great group of people that you find on there. And so, yeah, I was um, just found a really, kind of a really nice home of people that like to think about things and are trying to find some common good in this crazy world that we're kind of kind of going through right now. And so I've just found it extremely fruitful. And uh, quite frankly, I've been led to some pretty significant changes in my life. One of which was I was a little late to get here to you because I went to my second Orthodox <laughs> service today, man. <laughs> wow. Okay. Hang on. There's a lot to unpack here. So, the first thing that kind of has has me my, my let, let's let's use a Paul Venicle term, my uh, uh, consciousness congress per cup, is you mentioning you went to seminary. Yes. How'd that go? Well, so I kind of figured as we I asked you here before we jumped on and started recording. I fifty one. I've kind of done a lot of stuff, some really good successes and some spectacular failures in my life too. So I thought I'd give you a little bit of kind of what's Lance and I've touched a little bit about this on the discord server, but people probably haven't probably got the whole nine yards. So I'll give you a little bit of kind of what's Lance been up to in his life and kind of what kind of led me kind of there. And then, um, and then you can jump in and, you know, ask me some questions. And then, you know, I'm really curious because you haven't been on the discord server since I've been active in channels to ask you some questions too, but I'll, I'll just, I'll lay out a little bit of Lance here at a high level. All right. Um, I, I, I grew up poor in an alcoholic home. My dad was an alcoholic, but luckily he got sober on my 13th birthday. Um, and kind of became financially successful in my teams. And we got back into the church. Um, I was confirmed in the Methodist church and I was one of those weird kids who actually really loved church. Uh, and you'd find my, find me myself reading the Bible up in my bedroom when I was a teenager. Um, high school played all sports and was a really good student. Um, and then I went to a small Catholic college. So I got a chance to hang out with my Catholic brothers and sisters for four years. And I played a couple years of American football and, you know, Job, I studied really hard and boy, did I drink hard too. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then kind of relationship wise, I, uh, married my high school sweetheart. Uh, but I was kind of surprised divorced by her after a 20-year relationship. Oh. Um, I then um, 
kind of went out and had kind of a full Solomon experience where I kind of had some money and I only had my two boys at the time, half the time. And, uh, boy, I, I, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll. But, uh, I, um, I met my second wife and we got sober and she came to know the Lord and I had kind of a road to Damascus, Holy spirit, uh, situation there. But, um, sadly she passed away in 2012. So it was a long two year stretch of in and out of the hospital and heart surgeries and kidney failures and so on and so forth. Um, but I'm very lucky a few years later, I met another wonderful, amazing gal. She's kind of a ride or die gal with me and really has my back. And she's a really loving woman. And uh, but she's really been battling with clinical depression here over the past two or three years. And mm. and, uh, you know, kind of really been a struggle. Uh, we have a blended family of five great kids, uh, three of which are at university right now. Wow. Um, and one of my and one of uh, my youngest is at, is 10 years old now, but I, I adopted her with my wife who passed away um, and she has pretty severe autism. And so but we're very lucky. She's a happy and chatty girl. Um, jobs I've had. I decastled corn. I've bailed hay. I dug holes for an entire summer. Uh, I didn't work for the largest public accounting firm in the world. I was a financial planner and door to door salesman. I was a successful lawyer. Um, I left all that to go to seminary and become a Holy Spirit-filled evangelical house church pastor and teacher. Um, I've owned my own consulting firm. I'm an amateur Jungian typologist and leadership coach. Uh, and now I'm paying the bills working for an IT and communications firm here in Kansas City where I'm from. Um, I've been super successful in my life, Job, and yet just a few years ago, I had to use a few food pantry to feed my family. Um, I'm a recovering alcoholic, drug addict, and chronic relapser. Uh, I'm a diagnosed bipolar who goes off his meds. Uh, don't worry, I'm on my meds now. Um, I've lost my way from Jesus, but I sit here today just an extremely humbled and grateful guy who knows the grace, forgiveness, mercy, and love of Jesus. And man, he's pulled me time and time again up from the depths of the pit. Um, so that should be enough material to pick from. We can go wherever you want. You know, I've got a little, I got some, I got some sex, drugs, rock and roll in there, and I got some Jesus and some, so lots of good things in there, man. That's, yeah, I don't know where to begin. You've had a life, man. You said you were 51. Yeah, man. Wow. <laughs> I wonder what the next 20 years will look like. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so you said you've, you've, what was it? Husked corn? Yeah. So there's, it's a job. It's a, it's, it's a lot of people, it's a hard job. It's called detasseling corn. So they drop you off. You get up at like four in the morning and this you did in your teenage years, but they paid you a lot more money. Like it was $3 an hour was the minimum wage when I was growing up and they pay you 12 bucks an hour. So mm -hmm. it was like, wow. But you get up at four in the morning, they put you on these school buses, they drive you out into this field and you literally on the top, there's male and female. These are seed corn. You pop those little like tops that you see sprigging off the top of corn. You have to go down the entire row and you have to pick every single one of those off the top of the corn. And you do that through these fields and it just, 
You go there all day. That's all you do is go up and down these rows, going through the muddy, gross cornfield, popping those tops off the top of corn stalk. What do you do while you do it all day? You just suffer. <laughs> you suffer. Yeah. There's no quiet <laughs> contemplation. You know, at a teenage years, I actually was a pretty competitive guy. So I tried to get my row done first, right? And perfectly. Because, of course, you can whip through it, but you can't miss one. So because I would do that, I was very fortunate that after my first, like, eight weeks of doing that as a 14-year-old, they put me as a foreman, which meant I didn't have to do all the picking. I would follow behind the group and double-check their work. And if someone was slacking, I would say, hey, you're slacking and stuff. So hard work paid off for me there, Joe. Mm. And from there you 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 said okay you you dug holes you you uh something with hay i recall but you also in the meantime found time to go to law school yes yes so i went back to law school after i worked for a company called arthur anderson which was worldwide so people some people even across the globe would know that it's now uh, collapsed but it was the largest public accounting firm in the world and i did that and then I was a financial planner before my ex-wife wanted to move from Omaha, Nebraska to Kansas City. And then I decided to go back to law school. So I went back to law school in my late 20s. And so I kind of had a little bit of a career before I went back. And that was actually pretty good because I think a lot of us that have worked for a little bit, having some experience real world like working experience not the academic mumbo jumbo mm -hmm. you actually it helps you learn things a lot better right because you kind of have some real practical experience so i was a corporate attorney so i did mostly like mergers and acquisitions and helping corporations and um and then i worked for a company called sprint which was a mobile phone company mm -hmm. and i was there for about nine years where i was an in-house counsel where i supported our strategic alliances and our sales and stuff like that sounds all fancy but yeah it kind of was but um, i don't do that anymore yeah what made you get out of there well part of it to be brutally honest is so that was about the time that when i went through that we had we were always laying people off and we had a very bad merger and that you could tell was going to be a failure. So I just made a decision. It was time to get out of there. And I took a year severance, but that was right about at the time where also my, I was going full Solomon and, and, and really just enjoying the party life. Mm -hmm. um, and I just knew that I, I needed to just get away and kind of uh, regroup. And so I took a, I decided to just uh, take a package when it was offered one time uh, but when they're, you know, laying people off and I said, hey, I'll raise my hand. But I knew that I, I hadn't ruined my career at all. But I knew where I was at in my addiction that it wasn't going to be too long before I was going to be collapsing. You know, kind of God helped me out there. But that was during that process where I had I went to a 12 step program and was very devoted to it. And I had a pretty powerful Holy Spirit experience. And through that, Jesus really called me into ministry. And so I decided to go to seminary. And that was kind of a wild decision because a lot of people thought I was crazy doing that. Why aren't you going out and making a bunch of money again? And I was like, because Jesus told me to go to the seminary. So I went to the seminary. So uh, that kind of was the from being that kind of, uh, I would say, pretty arrogant, uh, you know, doing well financially, got super humbled and then actually realized I'd rather do something meaningful with my life than try and do the, you know, normal worldly 
accumulate as many toys you can before you die. Mm. Can, can I backtrack a bit from that? So you, you said you were, uh, you you had this this well-paying job, but you know there were lots of mergers going on, and at some point you you saw the the need to get out. But you also yep. said you you kind of realized you had addiction problems, so you kind of knew that you had trouble with alcohol, from what I understand. Yes. And are the yep yep go ahead. Sorry, I'm gonna be. <laughs> it, it, I don't know if I well I should probably ask you how did that. How did that realization work in combination with what you told me about your dad? So one of the things is, you know, he, he gave me a beautiful gift and he ruined my drinking before I even started because I didn't drink in high school. Mm. And he basically told me that every cleaver male had had basically the disease that absolutely ravaged him. His mm. dad, his uncles, his grandpa's. Um, his mom actually even committed suicide when he was 16. She was an alcoholic. So he, he, he warned me that, Hey son, you know, at the end of high school, he says, look at all you've done and accomplished. How about you never find out whether or not you have this? Because chances are you probably have the disease, mm. but you know what, Job, I was smarter than the rest of them. I, I would, I was never going to lose everything. You know, I, I was never going to get that far down the road. It wouldn't get me. <laughs> boy, was I, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's something, man. And you ended up going to a 12 step. How was that? You know, it's, it's spectacular. Um, Is it? You know, yes, it's, you know, it's a spiritually based program, but you find a lot of people that are really honest in those meetings, Job, because you have to be honest because people die if they don't get honest, you know, and it's really, if you look at the 12 steps, it's a way of living. It's a way of kind of admitting your problems. Try to find your higher power is the concept that they use there clear your life out, really take a look, uh, like Jordan Peterson would even talk about that, you know, really take a look at your history. What are your patterns? Um, you know, be honest with someone, tell someone all those deep, dark secrets. And then you start clearing the decks, you know, you go out and you start making amends to people, which is, you know, Hey, owning up to what you did. And then you try and get to a point to where you're connecting to God and you're trying to be of service to other people and you try and give that gift away to the next addict or alcoholic who comes in the door all beat up, bruised and <laughs> and on the floor, you know? So it's a, it's a great program. It's a design for living. And in fact, I see a lot of the same things um, when you would look at healthy living, how you should live your life. When you look at how you should order your life around spiritual things and honesty um, and I, Job, I wish I could tell you that, that I, I told you, I, I said in there, I'm a chronic relapser. Um, I'm a person that, that then kind of always thought, eh, I'll do most of it, but there's a couple things that I'll just kind of keep it. I'll just do Lance's way. You know, mm. uh, I'm all right. I got this figured out. I'm a smart guy. <laughs> uh, and, and, and then I ended up getting drunk and high again and it didn't work out very well for me, but I am, I get back in. I am humble. I'll go back in. I'll, I, I, I dust myself off a lot, and I'm willing to get back in the game and, and realize that I need to go uh, listen to other people. Um, I'm very coachable. I, I take criticism well. 
Um, I'm, I'm probably my own in my head. I, I, I lash myself pretty hard, always have. So um, I'm willing to get back up and, and admit when I'm wrong and get back at it. So, uh, in fact, I'm, I'm back in the program, you know, again. And, um, and but also, um, you know, very committed to try and get, you know, I've been on and off my path to Jesus a few times with that, too. Something happens, like if I'm drinking or, uh, you know, I do that, it just seems to be that uh, I don't really like going into church too much, Job. <laughs> I can kind of see that, yeah. Um, hang on, I, something I want to ask you. Uh, yeah, right. So you said that during a 12-step program you had, let's say, an experience. Were you a religious person before that? You know, yes, I would say I always had a heart for it. Like I said, go back to those high school years. I mean, I really enjoyed it. And then um, I went to Catholic college and I wasn't able to participate in that very much because I wasn't going to become Catholic for certain. Right. Um, but but I but I did like go to some services um, when I was newly married. uh we went to a Methodist church. Not a lot of young people my age right out of college were back in church until they had kids. Um, I remember when I had just graduated from law school and my, my oldest son was born uh, and my ex-wife was traveling all the time. I went through this year-long study where I got up at 6 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and I hate to get up early in the morning, Joe. But for the whole year, we went through the Bible. It was a year-long commitment. So. <sighs> You know, I was a guy that was committed to really having a zeal for it. But here was my problem, Job. I saw certain people in my family, particularly my aunt, is a very faithful, obedient woman. But I realized I got tripped up by evolution. I would overthink things. I could never really touch. Like, I didn't know, you know. I didn't have that true belief. I was searching for it. I was. I wanted it, and I'd had some glimpses of it. But what it took was me getting into uh, really the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and being really humbled, Job, right? And trying to search and realizing I needed to have this belief in a higher power. And I realized I didn't, I always got the points where I really, really in my core, in my heart, didn't have that knowing. And it was through that. And I had been to three meetings uh, on this one particular day. All the meetings surrounded the second and third steps, which you know, were kind of come to believe that a power greater than, their, than yourselves could restore you to sanity. Third step, made a decision to turn your will, your will and your life over to the care of God as you understood him. Hmm. And all three of those meetings, Job, were on those steps. And first off, let's look at what I did that day. I went to three meetings. That's pretty submissive, right? That's pretty seeking. And I bawled at two of them because I'm like, I'm not going to get this. I just don't have that knowing. And even though I'd done all those things, I knew that I just didn't know. And it was that night I was reading the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, quiet, uh, reading the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And there's this part in Bill's story. Bill Wilson wrote the big book with some others. And he's a hopeless alcoholic. And I could relate to that. And he talked about that none of us believe in nothing, right? We don't believe there's nothingness, that there's no order, you know, that, that somewhere there's a creator that has created all of these things. And that just rang so true in my soul, Job, right? And 
my second wife who, you know, we kind of met in the party lifestyle, but she had gotten sober with me too. And she was there and she certainly wasn't a believer in any way, had never been really exposed to it. And I'd had an inkling of having an experience with the Holy Spirit where I had been kind of impressed down before. And so I got up because I didn't want her to see this because I had a sense something was going to happen, right? Mm. And I didn't want to be wigging out in front of this girlfriend of mine, you know? Well, I get walking up in my living room and I get around and the Lord puts me down on my face. And I'm on, I'm on my knees, face to the floor. And I was in the presence, Job, of the most convicting, most loving, most, uh, I was so unrighteous yet. I was so completely uh, accepted power and presence in my life. And it was the Holy Spirit and Jesus that I came to realize. And all I could say, I thought it was like five minutes. But at the time, my, my wife had told me it was about 25 minutes. All I could come out of my mouth when I was in that presence was humbly, humbly, humbly. And uh, that out of that experience, and it kind of extended for a little bit, that's where I realized, and there were some things that happened, but that's when the call was put on my life, right? First off, it was a knowing. And I was about ready to walk through some horrifically horrible, difficult things in the coming years. And thank God I had that experience or I might have been lost forever, Joe. Hmm. And and but that put me on my call. And, and, you know, he gave that's a that's a Paul road to Damascus moment. Right. I didn't deserve that. I mean, listen, I had just blown things. I had become a drug addict in my mid 30s. That's stupid. Right. That's insane. And yet. Here's this seeker, this guy that's coming after him, that's kind of willing to be a fool. You know, I, I'm a big lover uh, behind the crusty, you know, kind of dominating, cocky guy, really just a big softy. And he pursued me. And it's nothing because I, I am not worthy of it, Job. I am unworthy. But man, I, I, at that point, you know, when he says, drop your net and follow me, he means it, man. He means like immediately, like yeah. now, like, you know, I, I want it all, you know, and, and right. by the way, I'm worth it. So that's what happened to me. And from that time forward, my whole life has been trying to figure out a way to do things of meaning, uh, to follow him, to have some sort of ministry. But I, again, I would go through that moment. You know, my wife, were, were that, that girlfriend became a wife. And then we adopted this amazing little girl. She had type 1 diabetes. And that was kind of why a lot of the health problems came up uh, shortly after we adopted uh, Ellie. And, uh, and then she went through a horrific two years of in the hospital. And, you know, I didn't have health insurance because I'd just gone to the seminary. And mm -hmm. just, it was a wild time, man. Every penny I'd ever had was gone after those few years and um but 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 um and luckily i had that experience to fall back on you know because there i was led to some really dark places and i don't know that you would be talking to lance cleaver today had i not been able to even as i lost my way and turned my back on him Generally, when I talk about that, I've talked about that experience a couple times, and that is the experience that reminds me he's real, hmm. that reminds me that I'm forgiven, that reminds me that he's 
that I can turn back to him, right? And it saves me out of these pits that I found myself in. And it was through that process, too, where I realized that I got diagnosed with bipolar. Because shortly after my wife's death, I'd had kind of a, um, it had been a long struggle, man. I was exhausted. I imagine. It was a long, yeah. And then for the, the two years, but <clears throat> I hadn't slept in 10 days. I hadn't eaten in 10 days. And I had a mental break. And I got put in a mental health unit at a hospital here in town. I needed it. I just needed to sleep. And they diagnosed me having some bipolar. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that, probably my drug using might have caused some of that, some of those issues to get exacerbated. But, um, and then I ended up on my way to a 30-day rehab center because I knew I needed to be, I needed to process a bit. I needed to get sober because I had two tween boys uh-huh. And a two-year-old nonverbal autistic daughter that I had to parent, and I didn't have any family in my town, so I had to be willing to do it all, you know. And so I, I went to a rehab center and really, really, really processed stuff hard, and uh, came out uh, uh, able enough to do it. But then I crashed a year later because I was just, I didn't, I, I really, I needed to ask for more help. And I tried to Superman it, and I ended up crashed again. But luckily, I could go back to that experience, Joe. And I'm like, okay, no, he's real. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Get back on the horse again, you know. And and so I did. Man, yeah, that's. I I. It it reminds me a bit of of uh, yeah I have to uh, it reminds me of Saint Paul you know I I've I've wondered where the man got his energy to do all the things he did and that he just always kept going and yeah your story reminds me of that like you had this strong experience and you could kind of fall back on that even when things seem to be really difficult with with death in your life and, and illness and, and and addiction yeah i'm glad you're still here man me too man and so i want to turn this around here a little bit i've been talking too much i do that oh, that's i need to fine. learn to get a little humility uh and you're doing that but i want to turn this back around so you heard me speak and I was a guy that could – I watched a few of your video, uh, two of your videos, but I didn't want to watch too much before we talked because I kind of wanted to get to know you. So you hear my story a little bit, and then here you were, kind of this cocky guy who didn't have much use for, for Jesus, and then you had your own path, right? So you kind of hear my story a little bit. How, how, did, how does that relate a little bit to you when he kind of finally got you? And I'd love to hear where you're at today with respect to all that, because you're kind of new to this journey over the past few years. Yeah, ooh, that's that's tricky because, I don't know, first off, I didn't go to law school, and I have no idea what to do with a, with a piece of corn if you hand it to me. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm beating around the bush. Um I don't know. Your 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 story sounds to me like uh like a, you know a bright burning candle. Uh which you know goes down faster because it burns so hard. I don't know. Uh it, I I honestly would find it hard to to draw any connections to your story because you yours is one of 
of hardship that that is not you know i i've never been through things that you've been through so i don't know i i <laughs> i don't know what to say really uh and i wasn't expecting to be the one answering questions um <laughs> i don't know which videos you watched are those old ones or new ones i watched I watched the very first one Oof. that you had with Paul, and then I watched a funny one with uh, with you and Luke, and then, uh, gosh, who else was it? Oh, it was you, Jeff. Luke, and Jeff all yeah. jumped on with Paul together. Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know a good bunch. Uh I honestly would not would not know what to do with myself if I had an experience that matched yours. Uh, because if I'm really honest with myself, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm really happy that you had that experience and it's really useful for you, but I can't help but be skeptical about whether these things are real. Uh, in my heart of hearts, I'm, I'm a real doubter and I don't know. Probably if it happened to me, I'd still be like, ah, this is probably some psychological effect of something I ate. And, uh, <laughs> but there, I've had some, some things change for me that in retrospect, I wouldn't, if, if I told myself three years ago that I'd be going to church and be part of religious communities and traveling along the West coast of the U.S. with some pastors, I'd have told you, yeah, no, that's that's highly unlikely to happen. But hey, it, it did. Yeah, it did. And <laughs> so as far as that is the case, yeah. Well, you know, and, and so part of why, you know, I share this here, because I have to, and, and really, I think a lot of those experiences, like, <clears throat> I, I, I share it, but, but I don't expect, I don't expect, most of what those experiences that we happen for God are truly for ourselves mm. because I'm just some guy you're talking to on the phone that, you know, yeah, you kind of know they've heard maybe something on the discord channel cause you reached out, but <clears throat> that was for me. Right. And it was for my wife at the time. And actually one of my friends kind of got caught up into it. Um, and so he, um, yeah, it's you know so he, he he was part of it because something there were some things that happened that that only could be you know that were pretty cool and so for us it was real like it was an experience that was tangible to sure. us that that we could pull on so that was our experience right and um and it, you know you can't I, 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 is this guy just making this up on the phone here you know literally i mean i'm the sort of guy that would sit there and say watch someone and go, eh, i don't know uh, whatever you know i don't know if i really believe that you know and so i think a lot of those experiences you know are for us but like job as you talked about um have you read miracles by c.s lewis i have yeah yeah so he talks about that that point right as he gets out of the gate there where you know, some of us, just depending if you're a person who can, you know, or if you're open to the idea of miracles, then if one of those things happens, you believe you can more readily accept it as real. And then some of us, you know, started off right out of the book where he talks about, you know, she, she met someone and thought they saw a ghost, but, you know, just kind of explained it away as an illusion. So really your propensity to believe in miracles, your or your propensity to believe in truly 
crystal things, right? And whether you believe they're real or not will probably affect your willingness both for your own self and your own life, but also when you hear these stories and others, whether you are willing to think that, yeah, I think that could actually happen or maybe that really, really could be. So much of that is set by um, our skepticism. Sure. And like I said, I was highly skeptical, um, yet pursuing a lot, right? But highly skeptical that this stuff was really, really real till that happened to me. And yet, Job, I lost that moment and fell into disbelief. Lord, help me in my unbelief, right? Um, and so this battle of mine that I continue to kind of turn away and fall back and I'm a, I'm a backslider is a term they talk about in the country terms they talk about in the United States. And, um, thank God he, you know, like Peter, I'm a, I'm a, effectively, I kind of relate to that and like, oh gosh, I'm a denier God. Thank you. Thank God you forgave him, you know, and you still used him for big things. So. Uh, in many ways, I've had a very biblical story, Job. <laughs> yeah, and and again, I mean, I I've talked to other people, and they've shared their stories with me. And I mean, there's somebody who lives in my town, and he's told me an experience that he had, and like, well, there's that the, these things happen. Like, obviously, they happen. So. I, I have no doubt that what happened to you happened to you. I just, I don't know what, what I would do with it if it if it happened to me. Like whatever happened to me two and a half years ago, I notice I'm starting to sort of relativize it. Like, yeah, you know, it was probably the week of fasting I was doing at the time. Or yeah. uh, it was just all the exposure I was having to new ideas because of Peterson. But be that as it may... Uh, I don't see myself becoming an atheist anymore. I don't. I, I. It's highly unlikely I would see myself becoming an agnostic anymore, because agnosticism is kind of this discomfortable. I don't know, and it kind of frees you from having to make any decision on things that you might be able to find out some truth about. Um, right. I mean, I've read enough books by now that at least confront me with the. The, the uh, let's say the metaphysical necessity of something like okay well right. then if we've established that what does it want <laughs> and <laughs> i, I kind of go from there i mean uh I'm, I'm i'm currently recording a podcast series in dutch with my pastor and we uh we call that the road to calvary because he's been asking me if i want to do uh if i want to confirm and I said, ah, I don't know. And so he says, okay, let's <laughs> let's have a podcast series about that, uh, because he's had this dark night of the soul, and so and but he's had a very different upbringing from from my own. So we have this series where we compare how we were brought up, how we fell from the faith or never believed to begin with, or uh, and and slowly navigated back towards it. So I've been thinking a lot of. Oh, how did that happen? You know, why did I start listening to, you know, this, this psychologist from Canada? And why did that, you know, poke me in the axioms? And why did I start listening to some, you know, bearded pastor from 
California. And why did I, why did I keep yeah. listening? And why did I start to go to a church? And I could say, well, you know, it was my subconscious desire to have meaning and community. And I'm, you know, I was in my like, whatever, I was 35. And then you're used to, I mean, psychologically, I can explain this all the way, not a problem. It's the, it's the crisis of getting older. And then you look back at your life and what have you become and this and that. Yeah, okay. But then I still have to explain why my depression went away. So, hey, uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's, now I have a wife who's 20 weeks pregnant and uh, that's, that's going to be something. Yeah. Thanks, man. Congratulations. I, I didn't think first, that would ever happen. First, second, third? First. Ah, oh, you're going to be a dad, man. That's amazing. Ah, uh, yeah. So they say, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm 38. My wife's older than I am. So that gives you an idea that we weren't really expecting this anymore. And it's, it's, I don't think I've had particular visits from strangers at my tent lately. So <laughs> <laughs> you have been reading, you have been reading. <laughs> oh yeah. I know the stories. I was brought up with them, but, uh, yeah, I, I can't help it. I mean, I, I have seriously prayed for that as well. And if you, I don't know, I'm not really answering your questions. I'm just kind of babbling at this point. But, no, uh, we're having to. We're just having an open conversation. Hey, I jump around too, man, and and uh, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, uh, I I and I, I miss the Discord. I have to tell you, I'm now a month into Exodus, <laughs> and I kind of wonder how everybody's doing. Like, I hope my flock's okay, but uh, yeah. Well, it's you know, so I I joined in mid December after a a Q and A when he said, "Hey, the Discord server." I'm like, "What is this?" And then I come to find out my 13-year-old stepson, he's on that thing all the time. That's how he talks with his friends. Uh -huh. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so when I first jumped on, you know, there's, uh, you know, obviously there's been kind of a bit of a rush of people here over the past few months as, as I gather. Definitely. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of stalwarts are, are gone with the Exodus 90, right? Jeff's gone, you're gone, and some others. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I think there's probably some of the early the early fathers of the and mothers of the Discord channel, or you know they're kind of getting used to this mass of people coming in, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's probably changed quite a bit. Things always do, and I think Luke's given himself a little bit of an Exodus break too. I haven't seen him around, and mm -hmm. Topher's kind of gone a little a little silent here. I think he's got a little different thing going on, so it's it's a little bit of a different flavor, but. Hey, everything's supposed to have its own life. And, um, but I'll tell you, and I would just say this, Job. And so I know, you know, Sherry and Lover. Um, I was on a, a voice chat, like the second week I was on Discord server. And we were talking about the cross and atonement. And she kind of, in her loving way, was just kind of challenged me a little bit on that. And, <laughs> you know, I'm, I say I'm a coachable guy. And so I was like, huh. You know, I, I need to look into this a little bit. And she suggested a couple of Orthodox uh, fathers to look into. So I did. And then I did some more. And then I walked about 50 hours of, of uh, that was really what I got sidetracked on. And um, and then it made sense. And then I found Peugeot. And then I read his brother's book, Matthew Peugeot's uh, Symbolism of Creation. Have all you? All of a sudden the... Yeah, and then the Bible just starts opening up to me in all new ways. I'm a guy who's been studying this. Thing. I'm not a biblical scholar, 
I am not a pastor of the caliber of Paul. Please understand I'm an amateur, right? But I've read a lot and uh, learned how to study the Bible and spent a lot of time doing it. And all of a sudden, these things opened up. Because, So, for example, I believe that the Bible is an error, and I think that's exactly the stories God wants us to have. And I'm not going to throw – I'm not going to pull a single thing out of it. I think once you do that, it's a house of cards, and it falls down. And so – but I also used to get in some arguments with some or, – or get some eyes rolled, and so I stopped talking about it like – I personally don't believe that Jonah was swallowed by a literal fish. Mm -hmm. I felt in my heart that that was a symbolic story. Uh, he went down for three days and then he came up. Hmm, that sounds like a little bit like Jesus. The right? only shine you'll get. And he, yeah, and he was a rebellious guy. And God, so God says, I'll get you. I'm going to get you. I'll take you down. I'll bring you up, spit you out. You're going to do what I want you to do. And by the way, when you start whining about it afterwards, I'm going to shrivel that tree, you know, <laughs> you know, because I'm God. You're not. You know, I got the story. Um, but in in America, particularly recently, there are a lot of silly arguments that uh, Christians have been having trying to prove scientifically the Bible in a materialistic way, like as he mentions meaningless matter and material, whereas I realized, like when I read Genesis 1, and I've always read it this way, that is beauty, brother. Mm -hmm. That is poetry. Sure. That, 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 sounds like, that sounds like how things were created, man, how the creator, I mentioned the big book, like the creator of all things, the mm -hmm. father of lights who created it all. That, see, but that's beauty. Yeah. And that sounds like something... That seems as real to me as anything I've known in my life. Um, yeah. But I'm not going to sit there and say that was seven 24-hour periods. And you know, but people get in those arguments. Joe. No, no. I mean, I mean, you've studied this. You imagine, imagine you're there and somebody starts telling the story in the language. You know, it's like tohu wabohu, and you're like, oh, that's just you know, that's like listening to 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 Beowulf. You know, it's right. It it, it was written yeah. to be yeah. So, and I think a lot of what I'm finding in orthodoxy, and I went, I've been to my first two services, and my wife was going, oh, God, what's my crazy husband up to again? She just did, because I, you know, I'm that guy, you know, uh, and I, and I, if you give me new information, and I do my homework, and it fits, it fits, I'll change my mind. I will change my whole life around. Look, you've heard my story. I've, I've had 90 careers and, and, and everything else. I mean, I'm a guy who will change his whole life if I believe something to be, you know, true and different. Mm. But, uh, um, but as I, I tell you, Joe, just for me, this is personally for me. And, you know, I mentioned I got put down to my face on the floor yeah. on my knees I found out that's the orthodox prostrate position, Job. Huh. I saw a picture after I'd done all this studying, and I saw these monks doing this prostration. I go, wait a minute. I have never been in that position in my life, and that was the position Jesus put me in, right? Mm. Who, who, gets on, who puts their face, whoever gets in that position, you know, head on the ground, in your knees, curled up, uh, who, who does that? Well... Orthodox monks do. And see, that's what happens when you get in the presence. That's how you, he humbled me. See, you, you know the Bible, which is like, um, humble yourself or you're going, or, or before he has to humble you, right? That concept. Yeah. 
And when you're in his presence, you are humbled. There is no, you know, it says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I know what that, I have no idea what that mean, what that will be like, but I have a glimmer of it, a slight little mustard seed of a glimmer of it. And, um, and I saw that picture, Job, and I'm like, I had started feeling like I was coming home. Like huh. he's like, oh, I've called, I've called you to this thing. Like I've called you to be really serious about this. Right. And, and I've told you and, you know, I've set you apart and I want all of you. I don't want some of you and you want to give me all of you and you just don't know how to do it yet. You try, you have all the, all the zeal, all the vigor, all the want to that I, I could ever ask in a, in, in one of my sons, but you can't stay on the path, son. How about you go learn the discipline over here? How about you come home to my church? How about you humble yourself? How about I show you my church, my ways, and I have a plan that's going to help you not end up drunk or high again. I have a plan that's going to make sure that you don't fall away. I have some monks and some fathers and some men that live that life that you've touched, that you've kind of had a glimmer of, that you've been able to share with people, but I'm going to put you on a path so you don't have to fall off again. And I believe that's me in the Orthodox Church. And But that's personal to me, Job. I believe that they're my, my, my disciple leader. He's a fireman, right? Great guy, man. And he's disciplined, and he stays on the path, and he sheds light, and he's caring for people, and he's creating this... Uh, um, it's his ministry. He doesn't call it in the fire department, but they've, they've raised him up to where he's leading... Uh, a new counseling program for firefighters. They'll talk about the things that they see wow. in the EMTs because they don't talk about I mean, listen, to be gruesome, but they go to they go to the accident scenes and somebody's head's in the back seat, Job, and they don't talk about it. That's PTSD, man. Yeah, That's yeah. you gotta you gotta deal with this stuff and these rough rough guys and you know some gals but you know these rough guys who don't you know all want to be macho and don't want to talk about it. These guys are suffering. They're suffering. And so, you know, he's on this path and he stays on it and he is doing the deal. And I believe Jesus has him exactly where he needs to be. And he's in a evangelical house church model. Right. I used to do ministry with him. So it's working for him. I think God has him exactly where he wants. Him. But for me, I need more structure. I need uh, and I'm drawn to and this is weird. I'm a very un. Uh, well, I, I work hard for the things that I want to achieve in life. Obviously, you don't do the things I've done without being a hard worker. Mm -hmm. I'm not lazy, but I don't have discipline, right? And uh, and that's that's a word that I'm not fond of, and something that does not come easy to me. But I need to get that in my life because I'm 51, and I don't know how much time I have left. I've got five kids. I've got a loving wife that 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 needs to have a really strong man in her life, and I just believe that I need to find that place for me where there's more structure, there's more discipline, but more than that, man, that is, those are some heart livers, man. The, those monks and 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 these fathers and what they're doing and the lives they're leading and the humility. Um, um, that I see on display there and the rigor with which they put Christ at the forefront, the daily, the, the multiple prayers each day, the, 
the on your knees, the the Jesus prayer, uh, all the services that that beautiful liturgy on Saturday coming into Sunday, leading you to be able to participate in the energies of the Eucharist, of being able to partake of the the body and the blood. Um, you know, hear me talk about this, Job, right? Sounds pretty attractive. Well, it certainly is to me. Um, but I don't think everyone's supposed to leave their context. And I'm not saying it, you know, that that's the only thing people should be doing. But for, but, and look, look what happened. I'm on the Discord server. God gets me on the Discord server. <laughs> I'm here being Lance, being his excitable, uh, passionate guy talking about things on a voice channel. And mm-hmm. Sherry comes in and Boom, lays the haymaker on. <laughs> but yeah. I'm coachable, right? And I and I so I did it. So I went down with it. And so here I am finding myself in the church. And so again, my here's the funny thing. So my crazy wife is she's not crazy, I'm crazy. So she's dealing with this crazy husband. And uh, man, I told her for for our first date, Job. So we'd met and um uh, and we just met briefly and we hadn't gone on a first date and it'd been about a month. And I first went to go pick her up and basically sat down. And before we even left and got in the car, I said, okay, a couple things I got to tell you. I said, first off, I'm really, really in love with Jesus. And I, he might call me to do some crazy things. So if you're not down with that, you're not the girl for me. And I'm certainly not the guy for you. And I said, and also if drinking is an important part of your life, I'm an alcoholic and addict in recovery. So, you're not the girl for me and I'm not the guy for you. So if you want to run away right now, you, I will no hard feelings, get out, jump out of the car, you know? And so she stayed. We went on an amazing date and I told her I was in the mental ward and I, I, told, I told her the whole stuff because you might as well just get it on the, you know, you get old enough. I have young kids. I'm not wasting any time dating someone, gotcha. I, I, you know, that, you know, we just need to be honest about things. Well, come to fast forward to this and, Orthodoxy is very different than what I was doing in terms of being an evangelical kind of Western sort of pastor. And can, can um, I interrupt you a not, second, Lance? Yeah, yeah. Because you lay all that stuff on her on the first date. How did she respond? Yeah. She said, "Sounded good to her." I, you know what I think it was. I think first off, God was in it. Secondly, she also had struggled with. Uh, depression she had had a blog that she was fairly popular um, she had been on some panels in the united states i think to have so she could share that she also had been um and she doesn't mind me sharing this she shared this publicly that she had also been in the mental health unit that she had struggles with depression i think it was refreshing to have someone that she didn't feel like she had to be ashamed of those things that that's who she was too mm. um, i prayed i prayed a lot before we had that first meeting job um, I believe God was in that. So I think she, I think it was refreshing instead of the, you know, it'd be crass, but instead of a guy that's trying to get down her pants after taking her to dinner, that we were talking about real things. Right, right. Okay, yeah, sorry for the interruption there, but I was really no, curious. No, yeah, so, yeah, and so, but here's, so here's, so we'll fast forward to now. So here I'm going down this Orthodox road, and she's mm-hmm. going, what is going on with this guy, man? <laughs> you know, and so... I went first time last week, and so you know she 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 still is trying to get her head around it. But um, last night she was getting ready. She was just getting ready and putting her makeup on, and she was kind of getting the argument put together as she described to me late last night about all the reasons why we shouldn't have to do this and why she's not going to do it. 
And she went and stopped for a moment and said, God, uh, what should I say to him? And immediately it said, follow your husband is what he told her. Like, and that's not, that wasn't her brain. She was thinking she was going to get all the arguments about why I'm crazy and why we shouldn't be doing this thing. Right. That tells you what kind of person she is. Right. Mm. Um, and, 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 I've been praying for, for, Hey, and I just want God to lead me to the right place. If this isn't where he wants me, I don't want to be here, you know? Um, sure. But she's still, this is a, this is a big shift, man. It's a, in a lot of ways. And, um, I don't think he's, she's certainly not completely down with this right now yet. Um, she has a lot of questions. She does not like change at all. She hates change. I love change, but she hates change. So, and that's just kind of how she's wired, uh, and I'm wired for change, but, uh, in our Jungian typologies, but, um, but what, what I always had a sense of is that I felt like if I was earnest and I, cause I, I was, I, you know, I, I was trying to say if this, if I believe this stuff or not, cause I, I do know enough to know whether or not something's off kilter. And, um, I just had a sense that if I were doing it, and she saw the change in me, and she saw truly me getting filled up with Christ's love, and it was pouring out onto her, and she saw that change, that that would be what would ultimately open her heart to, to, to be willing to come along. Um, I didn't think that he would give her that answer that quickly. Now, she's not sitting here already that she didn't come with me this morning. She's been struggling with some health issues. Um, and I, she's not her. It's not like she's skipping down the road, ready to rock and roll and do this right now. Mm -hmm. But, but what she is, is he, he, he kind of gave her a little Damascus moment, which is like, Hey, you know, just follow him. You know, you can trust him on this. Um, and kind of the verse we came into this year on was a proverb and I'm bad with the numbers, but it's basically, uh, trust in the Lord you know, and lean not on your own understanding. That's kind of, I gave her a, a bracelet for Christmas this year. That was her word this year was to trust, to learn how to trust God, trust people. Um, and, but the, the most important part of that proverb is yeah, trust in God, but lean not on your own understanding. Right. So all these things you think about, well, church is supposed to be this, and this is this, and why do we have to change this? It's like, that's all our understanding. How about we just throw our mind out and we just try and trust him where he's leading us, whether it's something we understand or not. That doesn't make any difference because, man, I've already proven through as we've shared this story. My way gets me drunk and high <laughs> and in trouble. You know, how about I try his way? You know, and I think so. I've had a faith that that would happen, to be brutally honest. And I felt like that would happen. I didn't know how long, a year, two years, three years, didn't make a difference. So, um, but I was kind of surprised that he gave her that answer that quickly because yesterday she was, and I know she was, I, don't, I know her. Um, she was ready to give me the litany of all the reasons why we shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> hmm. Wow. Yeah. She's a good woman, Joe. She's yeah, a good yeah. woman. Yeah. I got that impression. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope it all works out with the Orthodoxy. I mean, at, at least with the Orthodox Church, you're saying about structure. Yeah, you know, they they don't fuck around. They'll they'll want you to. Let's see what you do after after you've 
been attending here for a year. Let's yep. see if we were okay with you joining at that point. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. How, how did you like the the? Because you come from a Methodist church, and you said you weren't going to be Catholic. So I assume you have you've been to some Catholic services, but how have you experienced the Orthodox services? You know, um, that was probably my biggest hurdle immediately. Is it looked a lot alike? And, and I'm sorry, Mike. I, I will say this, and I want to make sure I say this. Some of the finest men I know are my Catholic friends that I met in college. I mean, the way they've lived their lives, their families, how they love their families, what they do in their community to take care of people in need. I mean, these are some of the neatest families and men that I will ever know. So I totally separate my Catholic brothers and sisters away from the institution, right? But brother, I got some huge problems with some of the things that I know why there's that schism, and I just have some things that I don't see in the Bible at all that they believe, right? So I probably had had some weird connection there. Once I saw very much so that they did not have those same beliefs. But the other thing was, is what I was shocked at, Job, was for a guy like me who's a Holy Spirit-filled, passionate, born in the USA, mm-hmm. Western, Protestant, you know, that – I took to it like a fish in water, Job. Huh. It just felt so right because I heard these the liturgies. I mean, that's those are psalms. That's the Bible. That's the truth. That's stuff I know. Um, it, it it's it's presented in a different way, but it's beautiful. Um, I I took to, I, to me. It just felt like I was home, and that's crazy because that's very different from what I what I'm used to. Right. Right. So, so that's why, I mean, I, yeah, I, th- that's why I know that there's a, that there is, that, that for me personally, just for me, I'll make sure it's very clear. Um, for me, it just rang so true in my soul. I can't escape it. Hmm. Well, awesome, man. I mean, I can't help but be happy for that. Yeah, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, keep going there. I am. And I got a lot to learn. And, you know, hey, this is this is fairly new to me. But, I, you know, you get to a certain point in your life uh, and you've been through and as much as I've been through and you've had to really dig yourself apart and build yourself back up again with real honesty about who you are. I kind of have a pretty good idea about things, man, you know. And so, you know. Um, I, there's a, and, and then there is that sense of God's just given me such a settled spirit about it. So all those things have come together for me and, uh, man, I've been in the, and even this last couple of years have been brutal for me. Um, and, um, you know, that's even another part of the story. We won't get into that, but I've been lifted out of the pit of, of just exhaustion and depression, um, in the past few months. And so, Man, it feels really good to be out of the pit, brother, and seeing the sunlight again and, and engaging with cool people on the Discord and mm. um, um, thinking again and being around cool people that aren't having these dumb fights that the rest of the world is having that are meaningless and, and don't have any grace around them. And um, I, I'm very, I'm a very fortunate man to have been uh, led here. And so if you think about, so 
what's a testimony for of the discourse server? Well, you know, you get this uh, guy who's been in pain and in the pit and in extreme isolationism, has a big heart that wants to do these things, but has, uh, uh, you know, been in, in, in isolation and he comes out and he gets led to this place where people are having exciting, um, you know, uh, really at its core, there's a, there's a sense of trying to treat each other with respect. Let's don't go overboard here, but lots of cool conversations of people who are really interested in trying to find meaning, right. And to try and find some community, some way to build some things that are built on a con concepts of love and grace right, right, uh, right. Of, of all sorts of ideas. And so, you know, what a refreshing thing that is to me. And it was through that discord server that God touched me again. <laughs> How about that brother? How about that? How about that? I, I think that's, that's a lovely note to end this conversation on. Wow, man, what a story. This is, this is something. Absolutely. Thank you so well, much. Well, I can't Hans. wait to get to know you, man. I got we'll, we'll chat again when you get off the Exodus ninety. But uh, you, uh, don't discount yourself. You have a powerful story, and you have an amazing wit about you. You're a, you're a you're a force of nature yourself, and I can't wait to get to get to know you more when you come back. <laughs> okay, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, like we're we're a third in now, so two more months will be good. Thank you, Lance. All right. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Job. Bye-bye. Have a good evening. Bye-bye.